This time on Mastering MS, we're taking the show on the road. That's right. As awareness for MS is raised in the shadow of the Washington Monument and the U.S. Capitol at the National MS Society's Walk DC event. Welcome to another edition of Mastering MS. I'm Nick Irons, I'm a fitness professional, and my dad has MS. And I'm WTOP's Mike Marillo, and I've had MS since 2016. In June, we attended the MS Walk in Washington, D.C., where, Mike, you were the MC. I was. It was a lot of fun. Just a great time being up there and, you know, doing it for such a cool event. And we also had the chance to talk to some incredible people while we were there. Let's hear what they had to say. All right, we're excited to hear today, Nick and myself. We are at the MS Walk in Washington, D.C. What a picturesque unit. It's awesome. We're staying here right between the Capitol and the Washington Monument. So, gorgeous area for the walk. Chartis Berry, you're ahead of the D.C. chapter of the National MS Society. And this is obviously one very important part when it comes to fundraising and what you guys do. It is. We have over 300 walks across the country and 10 in our market. And so it is a significant part of the fundraising that we do. We raise over a million dollars with our 10 walks here in this chapter. I actually got to serve as the MC today, and that was just cool. That Being on that stage, it gives me goosebumps to be where we're at and, and for what we're doing it for. Well, we thank you for being here, Mike. And it, this is such an iconic place for something like this for a couple reasons. One, we're sitting in the heart of D.C., right? And as you mentioned, the monument on one end of the mall and then certainly the Capitol on the other. And also what this affords us is the awareness, because as you saw, there was another walk or event that was taking place. There are folks here that are just tourists. You're hanging out. And so they get to come up and kind of see all the orange and ask, why are you here? And so I know in walks past, we've had folks come up and say, hey, I wasn't down here for your walk, but I'm living with MS and I'd like to learn more. So it's really an opportunity for us to grow awareness as well being here. I want you to know, Mike and I were ready to rumble with the with the other group in case they were stepped on our territory. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> we're protecting the MS Society. I love it. I love it. That's right. <laughs> and this is one of many fundraisers that you all do. What's the, what's the total that you all bring in every year for the MS Societies? So nationally, we are a $170 million organization. For our market, we raise just over $5 million a year, and there's 34 chapters across the society. Of course, we raise money through individual donations, of course. And then here in our market, we have the Ambassadors Ball. There's Dinner of Champions across the country. We have a new event we're hosting called Taste of Generosity in Annapolis in September. We have two bike rides, a two-day ride over in Easton, Maryland, across the bridge called the Chesapeake Challenge. And then we have Bike MS Nation's Capital in Western Virginia in September. So lots of opportunities to raise money for people to get involved. And so we, we love the variety of ways that people can donate and make gifts. If I remember right, the MS Society was founded as a service organization, actually for a woman in honor of her brother. Uh, tell me a little bit about the history and how it's changed over the years. Yeah, thanks. A lot of people don't ask about that, but it's a very interesting story. So Sylvia Lowry was the founder of the National MS Society, and her brother was living with MS in 1946. And so she put an ad out in the New York Times saying, if anyone knows anything about this disease, please contact me. And so there were scientists and researchers and folks who reached out to her, and that's how the society was founded. And yes, a lot of the work that was done certainly in research, but we are very much involved in programs and services for people living with MS and still to this day. So hopefully we are honoring Sylvia Lowry's memory. You know, and I want to ask you about that because when I got my diagnosis, the National MS Society, I was joking on the stage that 
every Google search led me back to the National MS Society. So Google finally said, you know, just stick on this website and study it, then then do your next search. But anyway, but you guys offer so many resources for people. And just on the stage, you were talking about some new things that are coming. So give us a little brief, you know, idea idea of what you guys do right now we have and what are some of the new things coming down the pike when it comes to supporting those and their loved ones with MS? Yeah, no. And I think that our website is amazing, not just because I'm biased, certainly, but it is really an, an, a, a great source of information. It's easy to navigate. And we're building upon, speaking of what you're, we're building upon how people can connect. So we are building right now an amazing digital ecosystem. It's a big term for really making sure that people living with the mess, no matter where they are, they can connect digitally as well through different platforms. So that's in the making. And we're hoping in 2024, we'll be able to roll that out. But as far as some of the programs, we have new to MS programs. We have, so for those who are newly diagnosed, and a lot of these programs, thanks to COVID, are now virtual, right? Because we learned in COVID that you don't have to be in person. So we have educational programs and platforms for people to learn how to be care partners, how to be spouses. We have camps for children whose parents or people living in the household have MS. And so for kids to come and just have a respite, if you will. Of course, I mentioned on stage, as you noted, Mike, we have our first ever last year, we host our first ever Latinx Hispanics Summit bilingual for those who are in the Hispanic community to be able to connect and to learn how MS impacts them and how the disease, you know, presents in them. Because we know that the disease presents itself very differently in different communities, right? And then, of course, we're hosting our third Black MS Experience Summit. So there are so many ways for people to get involved. Self-help groups, we lead a lot of those groups as it relates to being a liaison, not lead them. But in our market, for example, here in D.C., Maryland and Northern Virginia, we have like 28 self-help groups. And those are people who are gathering once a week or twice a week or once a month, just connecting and talking about what it's like to live with MS. We have, a, an, I guess, a 20s group, a 30s group. We've got folks who gather based on, you know, different affinities and similar backgrounds and things like that. So just so many ways for people to connect. And of course, I'll say um, last but not least is our MS Navigator program. So these are a group of about 75 very talented and skilled, compassionate workers who are society staff members who, when you go online and you see, you know, do you want to chat with an MS Navigator? You can connect with them via phone or online and they help with everything, finding doctors, resources, self-help groups. And also those are the folks who determine financial aid that we're going to be able to invest for people living with MS. Because sometimes people don't have money to build ramps for their homes, or they don't have money to do the various things that they need to live their best lives. Since you've been there, Ms. Society, you must have met tons of people with the disease. Tell me about a couple of your favorite stories about either how you have helped people with MS or just some inspiration for us. Wow. Yeah. And so I had a friend that I grew up with whose mom, I didn't realize it at, back then, of course, but he had lost his mom to MS many, many years ago, Tony Datcher. And he's I grew up with him and I remember his mom having MS, but when I came to the MS Society eight years ago, it didn't click to me that, oh, that's how he lost his mom as a young man. And I will tell you, Mike, I, you know, when you say favorite stories, every day I meet people either by phone, because of course I, my job is 24-7, it seems. I meet people by phone. I meet people who are, you know, living with the MS or people who have a loved one or a family member. And so I am just inspired each and every day. Mike, of course, is a source of inspiration because having met Mike coming off the hills of having certainly met Dave Johnson, your colleague, and just the proximity of you all working together and having the same disease. So just it's, it's amazing to me that, you know, MS does not discriminate. 
There are folks, there are athletes, there are people in all levels of professions. There are young children who are living with MS now. And so I'm just inspired by the resilience of people living with MS. I'm always inspired by their courage because this is a disease that is so different in everybody and it's different from day to day in the same person. I think one amazing thing too is just we had a stigma for many years, right? People did not want to talk about it. And you can speak to this. I mean, now you have many people willing to talk about something that you didn't talk to anybody about back, you know, 10, probably 20 years ago, right? That's right. And I will say in my short time or long time, eight years being here, I have seen and witnessed just the growth of people raising their hands and saying, I'm living with this disease. And again, I know that it's not because more people are being diagnosed. I think it's just what you said, Mike. More people are willing to raise their hands and to know that it's okay to say that you have this disease and to know that you've got an advocate in the MS Society that's going to help you with whatever challenges you have in proclaiming, you know, publicly that you have MS. Because we know that people sometimes get challenges in their employment. We know that people, again, it's the stigma thing. And I think it's very much like mental illness, you know, it's something that I don't, I mean, we do have a mental health crisis in this country, but I will just say that I think that it's not that people are now all of a sudden dealing, dealing with mental illness. I think it's that people are now talking about it and we are now being able to say things are happening and this is what happened and this is, you know, people are committing suicide and maybe at alarming rates, certainly, but people have, you know, always taken their lives. But now it's just, so it's organizations like the MS Society that is here to partner and to say, we're on this journey with you. And it's important for people to, to say and to declare, right? Because it just makes, it, it creates that and grows that community, right? We ask all guests on our show this, we like to leave people with hope. And so what, what is in the MS world is a reason for hope at this moment in time? Well, which, and I should have mentioned when you asked me, Nick, earlier about kind of an inspiring story, we are now in the last year and a half, we in our mission statement included the word cure. We had not done that before because a cure, while it means something different to every, you know, to every person, we didn't use that word because we didn't see a cure and hope. But we have now published a roadmap to our what we call pathways to cures. It is a global consensus. So all the brightest minds around the world have said, yep, this, you know, this roadmap for pathways to cures, it's real. And we're going to embark upon making this happen. So we're trying to determine how do we stop MS? How do we stop progression? Not slow down, but how do we stop it? How do we reverse the, the function that's been lost? And that's all in the myelin repair space, right? How do we do that? And we feel like we're close to that with a lot of the work that we're doing. In fact, there's an amazing researcher named Dr. Jeffrey Wong, who is at Georgetown University, who is doing myelin repair research. And so that's really inspiring. And there's hope for that. And also now we're learning that there might be biomarkers in the blood that can determine whether or not you might be pre, you know, predetermined to have this disease, which would be huge, right? And they, you know, to be like in cancer, in the cancer space, there's that. So those are the various roadmaps and ways and pathways to what we consider cures. So I am super excited about that. That is what I would leave people with, that hope that we are getting, we're finding a cure. We will find a cure. That'll be a different kind of party. That'll be a different kind of party. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, my neurologist, Dr. Bob Shin, who does a lot with you guys, you know, as he put it to us once, he's like, even at this point, we might not be able to use the word cure, but we have therapies that essentially stop the illness. So we're, we're, in, a, we're in a great new place for getting such a bad diagnosis. There's a lot out there for you. 
That's right. And that's that's the point I was making earlier. So if you are living with MS and your disease has progressed, right, or you're living with MS like you, Mike, we can't take the MS away. We, we can't we can't cure you of MS because you already have the MS. You've got the progression and you've got the lesions, whatever, at whatever level they are. Right. But if we can stop it and halt the progression and oh, by the way, if we go farther down that road and be able to reverse the lost function, that would be amazing. So. Yeah. And on, on that note, I have to put something in. After I did my bike ride around the United States, we gave a big chunk of money to a doctor at Yale, Dr. Waxman. Yes. Who, that was his focus of his research was nerve regeneration and myelin regeneration. Yes. So they're still working on it, which is really exciting. Yeah. Thank you for that, too. And thank you for the work that you did and the fundraising you did for that, Nick, because that is that is really where we need to go, right? And, I mean, can you imagine... You've seen a lot of folks out here today. You mentioned it, Nick, that there are people out here who are in wheelchairs, walkers, using canes, have, you know, a lot of mobility problems. Can you imagine if we could reverse that lost function and have these folks get up from their wheelchairs and walk normally? I mean, that is and that is what I'm I'm hoping to see. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me at three. Well, thank you so much, RT, for taking the time. Talk to us. Any, any final words on, you know, what people should, you know, obviously check out the National MS Society's website. But any parting words for everybody? Check out the National MS Society website, um, nationalmssociety.org. I just think that um, it's a great place to learn more about the disease, learn more about the resources and programs and the ways that you can support us and ways just to get involved and come out and have a, you know, a, a fun time out on the mall like like we, we're having today. <laughs> of course. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Shartis Berry, the president of the National MS Society's D.C. chapter and the D.C., Maryland and Virginia area, so D.C. region. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Nick, the National MS Society is just a great organization. And it's so nice that they had such a nice turnout for an event like this. There were hundreds of people there. And that's awesome for us because we wanted to do a podcast talking to a lot of people who MS is a part of their life in one way or the other. And why don't we share some of that with the folks? Let's do it. My name is Charlotte Folletta. We are from Alexandria, Virginia. We are married. We've been married for almost nine months here. Yeah. Anthony's first name. Well, Anthony. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. And, you know, we do this podcast. And so we want to ask everybody, you know, some of the questions we ask a lot of people who join us. And one for you, how long, well, when were you diagnosed and how are you doing, first of all? Uh, January 2020, so just before the world closed off. It was a really strange time to be getting diagnosed. It was an incredible journey, very quick. I actually got diagnosed within 30 days of my first, like, official relapse. Doing incredible now. I had an incredible care team at the National MS Clinic at Georgetown that we started on a Copaxone. It didn't really work for me, and we changed over to Ocrevus. And honestly, like, ever since that change... It's been a huge difference in like our lifestyle and what I'm able to really, really do without any relapses in the last three years. And, you know, one thing we like to ask people, too, is after that diagnosis, I, we, for those of us who have been there, we know everybody's different, I'm sure. But, you know, it, it's not it's something that takes your time to understand and totally grasp. But, you know, after you've you know, had time to really understand it, have any benefits or positive, I guess, things come out of your diagnosis? I mean, honestly, I'm surprised that like that's. That's kind of where it got a lot faster than I thought it would, in, in truth. So I started calling it my messed up journey. Pretty soon, pretty quick on that. But honestly, it taught me to just like let go of control. At some point, like being in control, knowing what your next step is, how you're going to do it, like trying to just be like so type A and get it all done. I eventually really learned like 
it's okay. Like we are going through this process together. You don't have to be in control of everything. Like I'm naturally a super uptight person, like type A, just like want to do it. And MS is suddenly like, watch me. You will, you are not going to be in control. You are not going to know what's next, but like put, put your trust in your care team, put your trust in your family, put the trust kind of in your faith and figure out what's next for you. And like, that was a huge relief, obviously then COVID hits and all then that were really all out of control, but it was a really beautiful time there after, like you said, after you have that acceptance period. Of course. Yeah. And one thing you can't see because of the podcast is she's holding this very, very little baby. Yeah. So cute. Sound asleep. So congratulations. Honestly, like the MS journey was very crazy. And at one point we weren't sure if kids were going to be part of that journey. So a huge shout out to my care team at the National MS Clinic at Georgetown that listened to what we wanted and were really kind of open for, okay, we want to get married someday. We want to have children someday. And two weeks after our wedding here, we're, we're pregnant, right? And it's just the craziest story, but it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. What advice would you have to people who want to become moms out there who may be listening, who are having those same questions you had before you had your child? Yeah. MS related or just in general? In general and MS related. Um, I mean, if you have MS and you want to have kids, be vocal with your care team. They, they definitely have the right resources there. You just have to be really vocal and advocate for what you're looking for in general. That's the biggest thing for anyone in this entire journey is advocate for yourself and what you're looking for. Not every single treatment is going to work well for you. Not every single treatment is going to be what works for your future either. So that's hard. But obviously, like for new moms, new parents in general, be, be gracious with yourself. Give yourself just a little bit more patience than you normally would because... On top of obviously MS, but being a new parent, wow, like that is its own little MS up journey. That is, it is quite the time, but it's been great. And so your husband is here. And as somebody who is a loved one of somebody with MS, what, what's your experience been like? Our experience is just focusing on a healthy lifestyle, whether it be food, faith, family, friends, or fitness, trying to take care of the stuff that goes in our body and outside our body and encouraging each other to go out for an extra walk or walk the dog or, or take that extra lap mm-hmm. or try and eat something a little bit more healthy. And having that full lifestyle of health, I think, is the important part that we try and strive for. Yeah. And, you know, for both of you, what would be your advice to someone who's newly diagnosed as they go through that, that horror story that you get from the doctor? I mean, be, be cautious with your research. There's a lot of horror stories. It can be really scary to read, you know, oh, this is going to happen. I'm not going to be able to walk or I'm not going to be able to talk or I'm going to like struggle with different aspects of of my lifestyle. But then there's also the feature of like, you know, educate yourself and advocate for yourself at the same time. Like I said, they're the only thing you can do in this really crazy time is advocate for what you need, what your future, what you are looking for. You know, those treatments can be daily. Treatments can be monthly. They could be quarterly. They could be annually. And not everyone does well with any like specific one, but you just have to really advocate for what is best for you. I mean, my treatment works really, really well for me, but I can't guarantee that that's what everyone else would really be benefiting. So like, like he said, though, like being active and really just advocating for yourself. My name is Angela White and I'm from right here in Washington, D.C. So we're at the MS Walk. We're here earlier and I was trying to figure out people who would be really interesting to talk to. And Here's this woman dressed up with black tights on. It's great. A shirt that is yellow and black. She has bees on her walker. She has antennas on her head. So I knew I had to talk to her. So then I saw a sign that she's had MS for 21 years and 
This is her 20th MS watch. Let's start by congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got your diagnosis 21 years ago. How are you doing? I'm doing well, I think. I was able to get out and walk today, so I think I'm doing well. What is some advice you'd have for people who are newly diagnosed with MS? If you went back to you of 21 years ago, what would you say? I would say don't stop moving. Keep moving. Keep your mind and your body active because MS can be relentless and it can be insidious. So you, you, you might say, well, I don't have any symptoms, but that doesn't mean it's not doing something to you that will affect you down the road. And if I had had the wherewithal then, I would have made a lot of different choices. What are some of the positive things that you've seen come out in your life when it comes to after the diagnosis and that maybe you wouldn't have, chances you wouldn't have taken, things you wouldn't have done if it wasn't for this diagnosis? Okay. Well, to start that, I have to start with one of the things that was negative, which was I was largely immobile for three years and I was close to 400 pounds by the time I decided I couldn't live another two thirds of my life like that. And I said, okay, so I got up and I started walking and I started walking and I kept moving and I got in the pool. And that's why I say, keep moving and keep your mind active. I, I've shed over 200 pounds. I have done over 12 half marathons. I've done challenge walk, 50 mile, 50 K. I've hiked a mountain all with MS. And had I not had that diagnosis and had that period of immobility, I, I don't think I would have taken those chances, those risks. And I definitely would never have thought I could do something like walk 50 miles. Never in a million years would I have guessed that you're almost 400 pounds. Wow. It's incredible. Oh, I gave you a high five earlier, but I got to do that too. I'm holding the microphone, but I'm giving you one. <laughs> that was incredible. So that's great. Did you find that your MS was better after, after losing the weight or did you just feel better after losing the weight? I did. A lot of it was, I was depressed because I had to leave my job and it was a job I thought I was going to retire from. I was working with college students. And so... I felt better physically, definitely, but also mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I found a place of what can I do today? So living in the very present moment. MS has forced me to live presently. I can make all the plans I want. MS can say, oh, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I try to live very presently, and that has been a wonderful thing for me. I'm Paige Johnson, and I'm from Buffalo, New York, but we live here in the Maryland area now. Oh, what town in Maryland? Fort Washington. All right. Well, how many how many years have you had MS? I was diagnosed in the fall of 18. So this is going on five years. And what were your symptoms that took you in? My whole right side would just shut down in vertigo. So it was kind of hard walking, not knowing when your body's going to seize up on you. No one could figure out what was going on until I went to Georgetown and they helped me. Probably scared you to death. Understatement. Understatement because I was working in like a high profile job for TSA and I'm running and my right side just shuts down, fall on your face. So it was tough. Wow. Well, you know, I know with all of us, there's that horse, that horrible first few months of really coming to grips what we have. So that's why one of the questions we're asking everybody out here, what would you tell that newly diagnosed person? Maybe that supportive thing you tell to them that maybe we didn't have when we got our diagnosis you know, experience, right? We get some experience points for the years we've had it. 
take your time, understand what's going on with your body, ask as many questions of your neurologist or your provider as possible, and take your time. There's no rush. MS isn't going anywhere. So just take your time, breathe, and then learn as much as you can. Awesome. So we we came over to talk to you because there's a whole bunch of people wearing Team Page t-shirts. So tell us about your team and your support in life. I had no clue what MS was when I was diagnosed, so I still was going about life like I don't need medication or anything. And my family, my village was like, you need medication, you need a neurologist, let's do this. And my son, who's not here today, him and his former football player friends, one Alabama Redskin and a New Orleans Saint, Aaron Donald, who's been so kind with his donations, they have been the driving force. Like, let's get t-shirts, butterfly wings, tutus. And let's raise awareness and help people understand what this is and how it affects men and women. More women than men. Sadly, sadly. And then more African-American women because they don't know what's going on or they're not taking the steps to say, oh, this headache or this spinning is actually vertigo. So what I've been trying to do in conjunction with my company, Microsoft, is just sitting down with people, sharing what my symptoms were, hoping that someone else would say, hey, I have the same thing. Maybe I should go get this checked out. I want to ask too, you know, I, I've been fortunate. I have a radio station that's really rallied behind the, the, the purpose and, and, and the illness. And you have a company as well. That I mean, how does it feel? I mean, you guys were one of the top donors here today, fundraisers. I mean, talk a bit about having, you know, not only your personal life rallied behind you, but your professional life. Awesome. It was actually just four of us from Microsoft out here. But we'll go back and Microsoft will match our hours and what we've donated. Honestly, what got us over the top since Wednesday was my son and his friends. He's reached out to his network across the country and they just really chipped in and got us. We have 3,000 more to go. I want to get to 10,000, but then we'll be good. So I come to this podcast from the son of somebody who has MS. Tell me how your family has dealt with it and what support do they offer you? I think it was the hardest for my husband, who is over there. He just didn't know what to do. My daughter is, like, brilliant, so she's reading everything and making sure I have my medication on time. And my son has just been there to help with physical things, like if I can't pick up something or if he sees I'm running slow, just helping me that way. And then all of my friends and girlfriends, they if I'm down, they're, let's go to brunch. Let's, let's get you out your head and just enjoy the day. One of the things we always ask our guests is, is there anything positive that's come out of your diagnosis? Oh my gosh, the number of people that I've met and how they've inspired me and helped me deal with my MS has been mind-blowing because you think you're alone and you don't know that other people are feeling the way you're feeling or they have the same symptoms and you talk to them and you're like, you do? And then you have somebody who's in it with you. Like, I have my family and they love me, but they don't understand what I deal with every day. That was so great talking to people and so very true what she was saying, you know, as someone with MS. It's like my family, my friends were all there for me, but it, it's special, too, to connect with others who have it, who understand exactly what you're going through. And so it's just incredible time, Nick, just talking to all the great people out there. We saw everybody. We saw people with MS. We saw family members of those with MS. We found. We saw... Co-workers of those with MS, 
and just people off the street who wanted to help the cause. So it was an absolutely incredible event. Congratulations to the MS Society. By the way, National MS Society's website, that was one of the first sites I went to, so make sure you check it out. Of course, we'll link to it on our website, mastering.ms. Yep, so make sure you join us next time on the podcast where we have two amazing, just amazing, amazing, incredible, I'll say. Good-looking bald men. (laughs) (laughs) You're actually going to hear our story on the next Mastering MS podcast, so I hope you tune in for that. We decided, you know, we've been talking to everybody else, Nick, and a lot of people have told us, we want to hear about you, so we'll try not to make it, I guess it will be all about us, but we'll try (laughs) to make it sound like it's too much about it. It'll be fun. I don't know how it'll work out, but you'll find out next episode. It'll be fun. For now, I'm Mike Marillo. And I'm Nick Irons. And this has been the Mastering MS Podcast.